Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach, a communications coach, and a mental fitness coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, the Sage Sayers unpacks communications, tips, and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found the gift, the opportunity, and even some knowledge in life's inevitable challenges. Season 4, Episode 2. Reading this week from Medium on how to hook and compel our audience within a minute. Corporate life throws us some stresses and making a big presentation certainly one of them. The higher we rise, the bigger the pressure to hook and compel our audience in our opening sentences. I know because I've needed to cut to the chase when interviewing experts and executives for articles I've written or anyone with power and visibility. Oftentimes, nobody's rude. They do feel rushed, though, and often switch from one meeting and topic to the next. Dilly-dallying too long or being vague and ambiguous, purposeless like a rudderless ship at high sea, only enrages and annoys them. My coaching clients feel this pressure, too. And after performance reviews especially, it becomes a top request for help. So how do we hook and compel our audiences within a minute or less? Try these journalistic tactics in your next pitch, sales call or any presentation. Number one, know and address your blockers. To build any lasting strategy, determine the blockers in the first place. From the field, I hear the following struggles. Fear of over-diluting the message. If they jump in too quick, they may miss something vital. Fear of fumbling their language and using wrong words or inaccurate grammar, especially when communicating in a second language. Fear of showing their fear, and their facial expressions I mean, and their body language. Things like handshaking can really become even more frightening than the presentation itself. Embarrassment and panic from brain paralysis, which happens. They just don't know where nor how to start. Concerns with the audience themselves, especially if the audience is new or unknown, and not knowing how much creative license exists. Fear of coming to harm or disappointing others by not representing their work nor their team well in a very rare moment with those with power. When looking over this list, I'm not surprised many feel panic in their opening notes. To help overcome these fears, ask yourself of the worst case scenario. Question the credibility of the lies that your inner judge might be spinning to you in that moment. And stay calm. I know this is a deep area and I do have more tips on dismissing fears in an earlier Sage Sayers podcast, which I'll share again in the show notes. This was one of my first topics I tackled as a podcaster because I know 
fear poor presenting at the front end or anywhere can get really intense. Tip two, understand your audience. With clarity on your inner fears and then countering them, now get thinking about your audience and how best to introduce your presentation and ideas. You might research what you can about them if the audience is new, and LinkedIn's a great place to start that research. Ask someone who knows them well. Figure out what interests them. It will spark some creative ideas. Reflect or think on what they care about most and why it's you over others that they've asked to hear from. Challenge any fixed mindsets on your worth and value, which only clutter your lovely head and get in your way. No, if you're asked to speak to this group, then you have the expertise and the insights to do so. Tip three, be you. A few years ago, many started to lament the TED Talkish approach to presentations and how ho-hum it all started sounding with an overly polished, scripted approach. I do take this concern on board, and here's my counter. Be you versus someone else in your intro and throughout your entire presentation. If you're a quieter, more reserved type, then don't do anything splashy. It will just feel weird and odd. Stay within your comfort zone, but then find that sweet spot where you do stretch, even a little, so that you can stand out. Tip four, be brief, experimental, and structured. You want to stay brief in your intro. You want to get in and out of there within 60 seconds or less. To help get there, you might try using a structure stating the purpose, this is why I'm here. The importance, this is why we ought to care. Preview, this is what I plan to share. Clarification, this is how long we'll be speaking and what I hope we'll all feel or what we'll discover together. This acronym comes under the title, the PIPSI approach to the intro, and it's one that I learned from Keenan Flagler Business School and Dr. Heidi Schultz, my friend and mentor I taught with for many years. Also know, as part of this experimental approach, there is no one way to hook and compel your audience. Try different ways and mold and pivot for each audience and each presentation. Tip five, play with powerful, startling data. That Pipsy intro I just offered is just one helpful framework for part of your intro, but you can add in something creative before or after this approach. One of your many options before you includes using powerful, startling data. Simply tell us the data point, tell us why it matters, Circle back to your topics and your audience to show the relevance. And I'll illustrate the technique here. I know this is a riff. Around 28% of American business professionals have lost their jobs this past two years, researchers say. And my coaching practice reveals this data is true. About 30% of those I coach are looking for internal or external roles. What challenges this audience the most? Confidence and clarity 
on how to tell their work story in ways where others truly listen. I'm DG McCullough, and then in the next five minutes, I'm offering five tips for telling your work story in ways which help you and your resume rise to the top. Tip six, try storytelling. Storytelling transports you and your work story places. Some small best practices, keep it brief, authentic, relevant, and relatable. Do this and you have a compelling introduction able to take you and your presentation places. Another short example and riff. Twelve years ago, inside my very first classroom, postgraduate school, I noticed to my dismay that the courage that had helped land me the professor job disappeared when I needed it the most, in front of my students. The body and mind reaction consumed me, shaking hands, croaky voice, pounding heart, buckling knees. I feared I'd pass out, but I didn't. I paced the room, got out from behind the podium and spoke to the students as individuals, despite there being many in the room. The fear stayed with me for most of that first lecture and weeks after, but within the eighth class, I felt I'd missed something vital. Was it my syllabus? The grade updates? My stories? No, nope. I'd forgotten to feel fear. Repetition and strategy cured me. I'm DG McCullough. I'm a communications coach from New Zealand, and I can help you and your team reduce your fear of public speaking within weeks, if not days. Tip seven, poll your audience or ask a rhetorical question. The same above topic, pitching an audience to hire me as their internal coach, could start with a question. How many in this room have felt fear before a spooky or really important audience? How many have felt this fear intensely, as shown in their voice, their word choice, and how their body just failed to cooperate. How many have found their way out and no longer fear public speaking at all? What I love about the show of hands and polling my audience is the questions build camaraderie, a shared sense of the struggles. It builds engagement and the focus shifts from me, the facilitator slash presenter or lecturer, to the larger group. With that shift, my inner judge and my typical fear of harm or embarrassment in my opening notes diminish when using this question technique. Whatever question you choose, make it align with your expertise. If you're the numbers person for your group, for instance, then ask the group to guess the meaning of a startling data point and what it represents. Options are limitless and do have fun. Final tip. Use a powerful and meaningful quote. I love the quote technique for the intros of our presentation just as much as the data and even the polling technique. Here it is. Share us the quote. Tell us who said it. Then remind us why this quote matters to you and then to the topic at hand. My final riff to illustrate. 
I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. This memorable quote from American writer, humorist, entrepreneur, and lecturer, Mark Twain, speaks to the struggles in telling our stories succinctly. And yet, that struggle with staying economical with our words back in the late 1800s has become even more profound today. Time-pressed audiences seek one-minute summaries on giant complex topics and answers to ad hoc questions within seconds. The busier the audience, the bigger the demand for us to get to the point. So how do we stay brief, clear and compelling and stay calm as we share our ideas? I'm DG McCullough and in the next five minutes I'm offering 10 reporter tips to help us get there. You've now a handful of tactics, dear listeners, to plug into the intro of your very next presentation. And I truly hope that these tried and tested tips help replace angst with freedom and hope. I've watched the presentations of thousands of professionals and experts and see that the introduction trips us up the most. Many of us insert filler words or backtread or fumble in other ways in those opening words and addresses. Many of us show fretful facial expressions because the fear of judgment or failure or harm to our work and personal brand is that convincing and that immense. I see a real gift and opportunity exists here in our introduction to rise up and out of fear. So experiment, have fun, play with your intro in engaging ways, see how you feel and how your audience responds to your newfound creativity and freedom. Then write and let me know how you got on. I'm sure it will be fabulous. You've been listening to DG McCullough with The Sage Sayers, a podcast on business communications and mental fitness, finding the sage approach to life's challenges. If you'd like to coach and train with me on any communication or life challenge, visit my website, hangingrockcoaching.com or find me on LinkedIn with the hashtag bravecommunicators. Both links you'll find within the show notes. I want to thank my producer, Doton, for his elegant edits, making these episodes beautiful in ways far beyond my skills. You can find Doton on Fiverr under Titan32. And thank you to my coaches all over the globe who spark creative ideas for each episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye.